0: In
1: Every
2: game go 82 and 0 The only Mavericks podcast Without a podcast around Would you even know The only Mavericks podcast The night is long Without some audio The only Mavericks podcast Look there A podcast shaped hole This is
0: Welcome to the only Mavericks podcast, the only Mavericks podcast, brave enough to spend time with our family members, just like Luka Doncic did yesterday in Phoenix. He got to see Devin Booker. He got to see, you know, his childhood home. If you really want to stretch this analogy, he did debut there. His first points and his 10,000th points have both come in footprint or center, although I think it, I think it has been... Miss renamed in between those two times. I'm Tim Cato. I'm with The Athletic. I was in Phoenix last night. I'm with, uh, you know, at my childhood home just for a second here, seeing some family. I think we've all been doing that to some extent, uh, but everybody's back. Austin Guria, Mike Pellucci. How are you gentlemen doing on this day after Christmas when we're recording right after the Dallas Mavericks beat the Phoenix Suns on Christmas Day?
1: Well, Tim, I I know you were trying to struggle to remember the Phoenix Arena name, but I believe it's called One Set of Footprints Arena because people look back and it was just Luca carrying the Mavs on Christmas.
2: That's bad, but it's good. I like it. Uh, It's fitting. Really, the the greatest gift that came out of this game, even better than the Luca barrage we're going to talk about, is that video of him running down the Phoenix Hallway like an idiot just going, I'm fast, I'm fast, I'm fast, I'm fast. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, you guys are looking at me like you haven't seen the video. Uh, oh, I've seen it. It's- oh, I've seen it. Okay, then you don't He's- look impressed by the video because I laughed my ass off. I've He's- watched it like 20 times. It's fantastic. He's a
1: psycho and a child. It's and so great. It has it's so to be great. infuriating to lose to someone who's doing that pregame.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but it was It was wonderful. Um, yeah, he just acts like a total idiot and then just Eats their soul.
0: It's tasty. High carbs. You know, he's got a he's got a baby to chase around. Actually, I don't think um I only know so much about babies, but uh I don't think they're running I'm around about around to know age.
2: more about them in like three-ish months. Uh so I will report back once I'm on dad duty and I will tell you everything. Like you- I've always
0: said there's no difference between you and Luka Doncic.
2: None at all. not at all. Yeah. I too him fast. I too scored fifty points on preposterously good three-point shooting last night.
0: I too I, scored thousand NBA points. I can't. I can't say anything else about this except to say that the the quote tweet that says "Do we need to have the messy conversation about Luca?" I think they're wrong, but it was funny. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Uh, that was a that was a good win against a team that might not be very good. Uh, certainly isn't right now. Um. Honestly, it was it was impressive that the game was even as close as it was. I, I thought Dallas was the better team for large portions of it, and Phoenix did pretty well to hang in there. You know, just from watching them uh, and, and knowing how much Phoenix is is struggling, and quite frankly, I'm not sure I believe in them. They held up pretty well against one of the best games Lucas ever played. That was one of the best ones. I, I, I know that. I know that Luca is always doing one of the best games he's ever done. That was actually a top five, top 10 performance he's ever had. I, I really believe that. I, I don't think it's hyperbole to to take that one and say this man hit, you know, 15 or 25. He had eight threes. He had 15 assists and it was the, it was the impact. It was the every possession impact. I, I got a little bit of heat. Uh, I think it was last week for tweeting, you know luca has 26 points in the first half and he was messy you know this there was a messy first half for him luca can score he can put up ridiculous points he can he can be better than your favorite player while still not being his best what i saw from him throughout both halves of that game was luca who is getting the most out of himself every single possession i thought the defense was a you know was a was a plus You know, he was he was good defensively and he was good defensively despite playing 44 minutes. I've said before that there's some vindication when his defense slips a little bit because of just how many minutes he's playing as, as Kyrie Irving continues to miss games. Well, turns out, you know, when he really wants to get up for it, it doesn't matter how many minutes he's played like he can do it. And so that that was I'm talking myself into thinking that may be a top four or five Luca game I've ever seen outside of the 60 point triple double, which I I wasn't even that (laughs) impressive until it was, Uh, but, but more specifically the, the, the Clipper performances, Uh, he's had a few games against the Clippers in the postseason that cannot be topped uh, when compared to this, but this, this was, this was as impressive as I've ever seen this person. And that is saying something y'all know that this is saying something. When we say that about Luca.
1: Tim, I, I have some news for you.
0: Was that, that was better, that was better than the 60
1: point 22 rebound game. That was a better basketball game that he played in that game. I think the 60 point Luka game was a lot of it is remembered fondly because of the ending, but that whole game was kind of a miserable watch. It was not an enjoyable basketball game for just 35 minutes. shots in that game. It took 35 shots. The game was messy. The snakes were missing Brunson and Randall. It was it was not a, an enjoyable game start to finish. This was just Uh, Luca masterclass all game, and it's very rare where Luca hits all of his threes and hits his free throws. He was he hit eight threes and he went 12 from 12 from the free throw line. I'm not sure he's ever combined to go eight threes and 10 plus free throws in a game. I'd have to look that one up and shot a good percentage. And then again, he he had four steals and three blocks. I mean, he he that uh, it's unprecedented. No one's ever put up 50 points, 15 assists, four steals, three blocks. That has literally never happened before. And it was just, you can tell when Luka is just having a very clean, good basketball game. It was a low turnover game for him. He's just, he was in control. He knew what he was doing. He was also just just having a blast. He was having a lot of fun. And I think this, this is the best he's ever looked. I think him, you can really tell that he's in great shape. I think your point about him playing defense, even when he played 44 minutes, is a really great point. I think that's another reason why he's able to make free throws late in games now is that I think he he looks like he's in great shape and he's having a blast. And I think his shooting touch has just improved just just a just a little bit. And then conditioning has improved and it's really it's it's very noticeable. That was really just like start to finish one
0: of the cleanest best games he's ever played. Wait, so that that was something that stuck out to me just the neutral observers, people who don't watch Luca every single game. A lot of them were were looking, you know, watching him hit three-pointer after three-pointer and they're you know tweeting stuff like surely this is just variance right i i don't think we think no, it I, is like <laughs> why no, do we no. my, why do we why do we believe you know like lay it out like give give us the reasons that that i think we all three of us believe that this is a very real new iteration of shooting luca it's been consistent game to game like he
1: He typically actually starts the season poorly from three and then kind of works his way back with a couple like crazy shooting games in the middle of the season and then kind of tails off towards the end. I mean, another way to say that
0: is he starts seasons, not in shape. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's That's
1: a really good way to put it, but he's been game to game. He's been a pretty good shooter. Maybe he's had maybe a two to three game slump, but like he hasn't gone on like 12 to 14 game like, Horrific he, he used to go on really bad shooting slumps, where like there was a reason he shot 31-32 percent from three for a couple seasons there because he would just go on very long, prolonged slumps. And he hasn't had that, he's just had very, really consistent game-to-game shooting, shooting the best free throw percentage he shot in his career so far. And the three-point shooting is just it's just been consistent. He's been shooting pretty well game to game, which is really not how he shot in his and
2: thus far in his career. I think the best big picture way to describe that is like, we've reached the phase with him where he is, like you said, he's outgrown that shooting inconsistency. Whereas for the past two, three years, he'd have these performances in these stretches where you're thinking, okay, it, the shot is coming, the shot is coming, and then it would drop off. We're past that now. Where we are now with him is he has stretches where, hey, the defense actually looks pretty good. And then the defense drops off for you know somewhat understandable reasons, like when he's playing back-to-back 40-minute nights. It's going to, it's going to ebb and flow last night. He showed up and the best thing you could hope for is if he has a progression over the next two to three years with his defense, where you get these efforts more consistently, just like the shot, that's the best player in the game. What you saw last night, if you believe the hypothesis that this guy can be the best player in the game, which I think we all do. It looks like that it's the shooting, it's the playmaking it's okay. I'll go to the room a few times too. And it's also just being engaged on the other end of the floor, the way he was, it was, From just a big picture game flow perspective, it reminded me of, you know, so I went to USC and I was there. My freshman year was Reggie Bush's Heisman year. And I was there for the legendary Fresno State game where he had 515 yards of, you know, offense by himself. And you're watching this game and Fresno State was hanging around and they were hanging around, but it never felt stressful because you were just watching. You're like, this dude is so unstoppable. There's no way USC is losing this game. And that was Luca last night, where Phoenix hung around and they had that random Grayson Allen barrage in the third quarter. But I think, as Tim said, you know, Dallas doesn't control a lot of this game. And it just felt when you're watching, like, all right, they're gonna Dallas isn't gonna lose this game. Luca is just too good and too on, and there is no answer for him. Whereas Dallas, to their credit, played Booker and Durant very well. And let Phoenix's mediocre role players do the heavy lifting. And a couple of them did, and Grayson Allen and, and that too. But it just felt very much like a, you know, and this is the level that the best guys in the game get to, where it's just four or five times a year, where it's just like, I'm not losing this fucking game. And that was what Lucas doing last night. It's just we're not losing.
0: Mike, I was I was gonna do the how do you know somebody went to USC, they'll tell you thing. Yeah. But that's actually cool as hell. Yeah, like I'm that, sorry, that, man. I, I was not about football games. games ever. No, no, no. No, that's it, it, that's it, a beautiful, it beautiful comparison up to it. Luca
1: compared to <laughs> USC Reggie Bush, I'm I'm loving that one. I'm I'm keeping that one in my back pocket. That's a great one. That's that it is what it's like. It's like so, when you're watching that's just so transcendent that is above the yeah.
0: sport. You, you just know. And that was that was Reggie Bush at, at USC. It, we're not gonna do we're not gonna do full-blown MVB talk, but I, I do think that right now Luca's getting brushed aside a little bit because He's, you know, he has his defensive reputation and and his limitations. He still has defensive limitations. He is, you know, at no point do you ever purposely play him against the other team's best, you know, offensive players. But he gets brushed aside a little bit because, oh, well, this other guy, these other guys are two way players. As if somehow being a, you know, an eight on offense and nine on offense you know, in, in a, in a seven on defense doesn't equal, you know, Luca's 11 on offense and his four on defense. Like, you know, this, these are, there is something like his case for MVP is ultimately going to be Jokic's case, which is that his offense is that much better. He is doing the whole thing. He is leading the whole thing. There is still a difference between what, you know, obviously look at last night between Devin Booker on offense and Luca, there's a gap. There's a huge gap. Uh, there is a gap between what Luca and Jason Tatum do. There is even still a gap between what him and Joel Embiid does. That, that one is small. Um, Embiid is that impressive, but there is something about a player who is fully, fully creating an entire offense unto himself, uh, that that I think is brushed aside a little bit in the, in the whole. Well, he's not a two way player. Um, first off, he is a little bit more. Increasingly, he is more of a two way player. But we see these gaudy offensive stats, and, and and I think we don't fully, you know, just the discourse is losing a little bit of of how much Luca's two way player, you know, is sorry specifically the offensive side of it. Is a step above even some other people who are considered MVP candidates, you know, at or above his level. So just just a just a quick reminder there. I I,
1: th- and I think that's a that's a good point, and that that's the way that he's been treated kind of in the media through this season. And I think that's why that performance on Christmas is so important for his MVP narrative. I think the MVP award is also a narrative award, and you have to have specific moments throughout the season. And I think him playing at his absolute peak, at his absolute best. On Christmas, on a game where everyone is watching him, there's nothing else going on, and also a game where he got double teamed from the jump, and built upon the narrative that you know that he's he owns the Suns and that's just a team that he just absolutely obliterates. I think that was a huge narrative build for him to. I think he was kind of I think the Bond tips poll came out and he was fifth in the MVP voting, and I think it was enough to push him into the top three. And those are the kind of performance that you need where you're you have the stage and. People can see you play well because everyone just you know kind of has their idea of what Luca plays like. But sometimes you don't get to watch him for a full game, and I think he put on in his best when everyone was watching. I think that was really good for his performance and for his
0: MVP Yeah, games. yeah to put it to put it one more way, you know, Drew Holiday. Yeah, he might be the best two way guard in the league. You're still taking stuff. You're still taking Dame. Yeah, you know you're still taking these players who are better offensively because that's what this league is.
2: Yeah, if you have, I mean, the most important thing is a championship caliber lead scorer. If you combine that with a championship caliber lead playmaker, you could be a lot worse on defense, right? I mean, people forget this team won a title with Dirk playing as what a nine on offense and a four on defense. If Luka gets this thing up to a five and a half consistently, just not a liability and having some games where he's a plus, that's massive from a roster construction standpoint. And I think this is the year we're seeing. It can be done. It's just about the consistency, the way that the jump shot had took two, three years to come along to now, none of us who watch him are that surprised when he's popping eight threes in a night.
0: Let's do some trend up, trend down, and we each have one up and one down. Um, Let's start, let's start with Mike. Let's uh, let's, let's just get your up out of the way, because I think this is an important one and, and ties most directly to last night.
2: Uh, up is dudes named Derek. We do not specify on spelling. If your name is Derek, you are trending in the right direction. Uh, cause both those dudes looked awesome last night with lively. It's just, I mean, we say it every episode. It's just crazy how long or how easy this is starting to look for him. I mean, 20 and 10 on eight of nine shooting last night. There were so many moments when Luca is getting doubled and it's fine. Lively underneath and this let him do the rest. Uh, they are such a different team. He's on the floor, you know, and even just defensively, you have to watch and just appreciate the deterrence that he's providing because it's not even just the, the you know, the blocking numbers. It's the amount of times guys are going to the lane and he just seals them off and they just, nope, plan B, that will not work. Uh, and then Jones, I mean, we started the season thinking, okay, he's going to be a lob threat. He's going to play defense. Then it was, he can shoot a little bit. Now we're at the point where the guy's attacking closeouts. And he is getting a little more comfortable in the bounce. And he's got one or two plays a game where he reminds you that he's one of the, you know, a one percentile athlete in the NBA. Uh, He is very exciting. Uh, He is the sort of dude that if you are a a wing with – you know, some athletic potential and you haven't found a good go of it somewhere else, maybe you should look to come to Dallas because what Luka Doncic has done for this guy's career, he's going to get a nice check this off season, whether it's staying here, whether it's going somewhere else, but he's, you know, with him staying in the starting lineup with Exum, um, that lineup of what Jason Kidd said the starting lineup will be, that's the most athletic starting lineup Luka's played with by a long shot. And that's going to be interesting to see how they play once they're on the floor together. They're still small. We know that there's no way to get around that. But they are going to be really athletic, and that is going to be really fun.
0: I was talking to a coach who, you know, was talking about Derrick Jones, and you know, talking about you know they very the Mavericks very clearly believe this is this is their best point of attack defender. And one thing they're they're really hyping up was just how high he gets on his contest. You know, like like he can contest his hand can be you know nine feet six inches in the air that's a really hard thing to shoot over even if he's not glued tight to you that is something that affects star players and that is something that they really really love you know about him as a as a as a 1A stopper um might not be the best in the league doesn't keep people in front of him as much as you know people that we're gonna see on you know defensive player of the year short lists and things like that but and look the defense overall clearly is not to the point that I think he's going to get any defensive team consideration. And there probably is a slight correlation there, but he's very good defensively. He is very good, even if he is not that, you know, otherworldly impactful type defender, uh, he's right up there. And and that to me has been really impressive. Uh, the way he stuck with his offense throughout the, the Christmas game was impressive. So pencils yeah. down, not, not, nothing more to say about that unless you do. Austin, but uh, I just have
1: one point about it's just both for both Derricks. I think what they provide on offense is a really nice um alternative to what they had in the past because previously, like, if they're not hitting their threes, it's just like the very funny flow chart that Josh bill from Madison created <laughs> a couple of years ago, where the Mavericks hit all their threes, they look like a finals contender, their role plays don't hit all their threes, they look like a lottery team. And last night, I guess, in the Suns game, they they went a little stretch where they weren't hitting shots. And Derek Lively got an offensive rebound, put back, or he got a, a little pass from, from Luca and finished close to the rim. Derek Jones he missed a few threes. He caught one pump fake. Went to the rim. Got a really nice layup. He's not only just a dunker, he has a very he has a very nice touch around the rim and can elevate and can finish at the rim. And just that little dynamism, that little bit of just a rim attacking that they have really just allows them to not go into huge shooting droughts when they're not hitting their threes and i think they it's really given them a, their, their offense a really nice lift and some a little more diversity.
0: Austin who's uh who's trending down for you?
1: Trending down. Trending down our our guy Grant. Our guy Grant has gone to the bench and i can't say that it's not it's not been well deserved. I think he's a good player. It what, what He's still shooting a high percentage on the overall season, and but when he's not hitting threes, he does not offer a lot on the offensive end. I think last year when he was in, in Boston, he really tried to expand his game to try to you know try to get paid. He was in a contract year, and that was actually one of the biggest reasons why he kind of went to the bench in Boston. But that really hasn't been the the case here in Dallas. He hasn't been trying to do too much on offense. I, if anything, he hasn't tried to do enough. I think when he doesn't have his his jumper going, he doesn't have another way to affect the game on offense. He hasn't done enough short role playmaking in my opinion to really like offset his lack of shooting in the last maybe 10 to 15 games. He doesn't really offensive rebound. You know, he doesn't do a lot off the dribble or get to the rim. He doesn't have that kind of explosion around the rim. So it's kind of hurt him on the offensive side of the ball. And on, and on defense, he's better as a four or five. I think, using him as kind of like now the backup for Derek Lava is kind of a better role for him because he's not a point of attack defender. He's been getting blown by and has been one of the biggest culprits of their defense just kind of breaking down because guys
0: go right past him on the perimeter and I think can, it, can he's I run in here. Yeah. I, I wonder if he let the four or five thing go to his head a little bit, you know, He knew all season he was going to be starting next to a a center in in that Dallas needed size, especially before Derek Lively came in. He was not this bad point of attack defender last season with Boston. And I wonder if players have told me before, Grant Williams hasn't, but players have told me before, Reggie Bullock has told me before that you know, when you're planning for a season and and when you're getting, you know, in shape for a season, you plan somewhat for the role that you're gonna play. And that when Bullock was playing as more of a three, uh, you know, he would size up and when he was playing as more of a two or guarding twos more often, you know, or, or point guards, he would, he would size down. I wonder if, I wonder if Grant Williams needs to size down a little bit because this is not a man, you know, that what we're seeing would not have, he would not have played minutes with Boston last season. If, if this was the, you know, if he was getting beat this often off the, off the dribble, and some of that might be a role situation, but some of this might be like, you can't, you can't put on pounds and just become a, a center, you know, like, yeah. like maybe, maybe you need to reembrace this, this three, four that, that you were that, that got you paid.
1: Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. And I think maybe he put on a little too much weight this summer. And like, not, not even like, I think he's just like, he just put a little too much muscle and he just can't move as well. And he's getting blown by. And I think, until he can figure out how to stay in front of guys like it's really he's going to be a 4 or 5. He's honestly going to take on the maxi role. He's kind of the new maxi and just going to be kind of a, a bench 4 or 5 which which is which is fine if they acquire somebody else, but I think I just don't think he's going to be quite the player that they anticipated him being when they entered the season.
2: Yeah, it's a deal where if you if someone told you the Mavericks are going to bring in Three mid-career veterans and two of them are going to hit really well. You would sign up for that. Now the monkey paw starts curling when it's the guy who you spent real capital and money on is the one who's struggling, and Dante Exum and Derek Jones Jr., the guys who cost you pretty much nothing and you don't have long-term agreements locked into with, are playing very well. So it's a win some lose some actually We'll be right? back next year. Well, he will be, he will Uh, be, but you know, yeah. And to be fair, you know, Dante X at that point will go into his age 30 season. Who knows? But yeah, the point is, is that Grant's the one sticking around. Grant's the one where you had major draft capital invested to get. Grant is the youngest. Grant is the one who looks the most lost right now. And so it's still a good scenario. And because I still think he's too smart. He's too good of a dude. I think this will fix itself long-term, but right now it doesn't look good. Uh, But again, the, the flip side that should make everybody feel better is, Found money to the nth degree with Dante Exum and Derek Jones Jr.
0: Austin, who's trending up for you? We wrote no, it down. Man. I can just say it. It's Dante Exum. You uh, know, I saw the transition there. I was. <laughs> you got to you know, go, yes, go for Yes, it. yes, so you, you, you know, we, I, I hear Exum and I and I see a transition. Man, I got to do it. I can't help I've, myself. Why? Why I, is he trending up? I've
1: been on the Exum island for a very, a very long time. I was very high on him in the draft. Very high on him in his time in Utah. Bro, how are
0: you still alive?
1: I, I no, we were, we were, we were sending
0: shipments. They, they stopped, stopped sending, sending shipments the past we, couple of years. I got almost scurvy. had to abandon
1: he's ship. Got scurvy. It, this
2: is all an illusion
1: that he's yeah, podcasting. We, right we now. almost had to resort to cannibalism. It was, it was tough. He, Nobody when he was, was here, on the island, you were the only one on the island. Who, who could can you cannibalize? I, I man, it
0: was, it, we were, we were living. Austin, is by, that only, do you, do you only have three fingers on that hand? He's Tom there. Hanks. You, you've, been, Wilson? you've been, been self himself for
2: years in the island. And now he sees He had to do what we
1: had to do to, to survive. You know, we, we had to find new vegetation, find out new what new plant He's plants got a Davis Baton's finger. <laughs> it, was, it was a tough time, but he, he's made his way back. And uh, I wrote about him last week at Uproxx about how he came, how a lot of players who go to Europe don't come back. FBA, you go to Europe, especially multiple years, you play two years in Europe. That means you're you are gonna play in Europe and you're and which is fine. It's a good league, but you don't typically get to come back when you go to Europe for two years. And I think what he did is he he first of all got healthy. I think one of his huge re- one of the biggest reasons he got out of the NBA is that he just had a whole bunch of injury issues. He had two That's healthy good. years in the Euro League. He kind of got to refine his game, playing kind of a low pressure situation for him, and his jumper came along. And I think the jumper is really what people have focused on, and that. He's shooting the ball well. He had that game against the Lakers where he hit seven threes, and that's kind of like really raised his profile as oh he he can shoot, which is which is good. And now he's going to get guarded by actual wing players, and teams will actually move on to him. But also his floor game, he's a really good point guard. The reason why he got drafted so high is that he was a six six point guard but a great feel for the game. He has a great feel for how to get others involved. He has a he's a really nice chemistry with Derek Lively. He's really good at getting into the paint and kicking out to shooters. And also, he has been excellent at finishing at the rim. I think in the piece where he he's shooting like 73% within 5 feet of the rim. Um it's a typical package too. Like like he, atypical, he has yeah. finishes
0: that are like oh, that's cool. That's yeah, not that. I, I don't I'm not used to seeing that.
1: At yeah. first, I thought it was a blip. I was like, "Oh, like he's finishing, but I'm like I don't think this is going to keep happening." But he just he know he's just got a very na- a good knack for finishing at the rim. He's got a he's got long arms. He can finish around players. And when he's played with Luca and Kyrie, they have a plus forty nine net rating. So that's the reason he's going to start <laughs> when Kyrie gets back. He when when Luca Kyrie and Eggson play together, they're lights out. Like it's only I think it's only like forty two minutes so far. So it's still a small sample size. When they play together, it's lights out. And also, he's a really good point of attack defender. I think he's really he's everything that people wanted Josh Green to be. That's really if Josh Green ever had a month like this, he would have
2: gotten paid a lot more money. And well, and you know, so we you know Tim wrote something on the Athletic about him today at D Magazine. uh, I had a freelancer named Justin Robertson, who's a fellow Aussie, uh, who profiled Dante and. It's worth reading just because I think there are a lot of times when we do shows like this and to be fair the reason we we don't harp as much on the personal aspects of these guys cuz we only know so much right we're not there with them we're not in the room you can only uh, you know you can only extrapolate so much but you read this story and you realize this dude's been through some shit this dude has had to do some growing up you know the amount of time he lost he lost the better part of 3 years due to injuries and there's this anecdote in the story where you know he's in Utah and he's recovering from shoulder surgery and at that point he's probably 21 22 something like that because he was young for his draft year and he was you know in his early 20s and he's at joe ingles who's a fellow aussie he's at joe ingles house because he doesn't know anybody in utah he's by himself in the united states he's a kid his shoulders torn up and he's sleeping on joe ingles's couch after the surgery recovering because he has nobody to stay with him and joe ingles's wife is feeding him vegemite which is this australian paste thing that i don't think i ever want to try but it's they not love good it. i've had
1: it it's you, you yeah, don't want to but, do it
2: <laughs> They're feeding Vegemite and Ingalls' kids are climbing on him. And like, this is how he's recovering surgery because he doesn't know anybody. And so he's loses three years to injury. He washes out. He goes to Europe. He's really close with his dad who is big in Australian basketball circles. His dad dies. He comes back here. He's 28. He's a man. He's been through shit. And there is something to, in any walk of life, when you fail and then you pick yourself back up and you reinvent yourself, you learn a lot. And- Yeah, that stuff in and of itself would not matter as much if he can't finish at the rim and he can't be a point of attack defender and he can't play make and his shot didn't improve. But when we talk about a team that hasn't, you know, yeah, they're in the Western Conference finals two years ago, but they've overhauled a lot of this roster. Kyrie's won, but a lot of these guys haven't. They are probably still a couple of years away from really being a contender. But if you talk about the mental side of what you want on a roster, it's not just good dudes. It's dudes who can take some shit. That guy has been through things. That's the sort of dude who, yeah, we haven't seen him in a playoff series. I would be surprised if he fails in a playoff series because he's been somewhere and he's been through things and that stuff does matter. So read Justin's feature, everything Austin says is more important than that stuff. But I think those things really underpin him in a way that, you know, I Josh Green is 22 still, 23. It has been a disappointing season. Tim's going to talk about that, but it doesn't change the fact that there is still time for some of these dudes because we forget that they all come into the league at 19 now you know, a lot of them, a lot of the most athletic, exciting dudes like Exum is a top five pick. You could take a while to figure it out and still only be 28 and still be hyper athletic and have learned a lot of things that so Dallas is on the good end of that learning curve now with him.
0: Mike, uh, I'm going to follow up your very serious, poignant point about, you know, just growth by uh, saying earlier when I was talking about how he shoots unorthodox layups, uh, a typical package probably wasn't the quite probably wasn't the wording that we were looking for there. Racing? Just anything, anything phrasing? but a typical package. Um, just just wanted to clear, just wanted to clarify those that was, that was kind of sticking with me. And, um, <laughs> you know, just wanted to bring it back real quick. Uh, let's let's talk. Uh, let's talk. You're trending down and, and then we'll we'll knock out my my up and down. But but you have you, Mike, have something to get off your chest. Do you have a point? Do you, you there's a player who is very clearly churning down? Yeah, he's turning so right down now. and
2: I think it's bullshit. Uh, so Jane Hardy's the one Ooh, who's trying down. let's go. I think, I think we are. So and a lot of this goes back to something I've been saying since the start of this show, you know, when we started, we were talking about, you know, I brought up a reference to Derek Lively. Derek Lively has earned every minute he has. And then some, we don't have to go over that again, but part of it with Derek Lively is that there are no guardrails. This is why I was, you know, pretty anti Deandre eight trade back in the 77 minutes era. And whoo, it is not looking great up in Portland for him right now. Uh, but part of it is you just, for young guys, if you give an NBA coach, not even Jason Kidd, if you give an NBA coach a reason to not play a young player, a lot of the times he just won't, right? Because look at the Dante Exum versus Josh Green thing. 28-year-old guy has been through some things and has already sharpened his game and you could trust him versus a 22, 23-year-old who is still learning. You know, and Josh Green is more rope than Jaden Hardy. But Jaden Hardy plays a position that is very saturated and Jaden Hardy has shown one skill thus far, which is that we know Jade Hardy can hit threes, especially if they catch and shoot variety, right? I don't think anybody should doubt that Jade Hardy can shoot from distance. He has not been great at the rim. He has been worse at mid-range. And when you are a small guard and you can go into business for yourself a little bit, as Jade Hardy is wont to do sometimes, it can very much lead to an opinion of this guy just ain't it. He is 21 years old. I think watching a guy like Derek Lively, who has just acclimated in a preternatural way sort of wrecks the curve a bit for guys who take a little longer and they take a little longer when their minutes are getting jerked around right for instance you know it's by our guy is Doc franco over d magazine every now and then he busts out a little chart on twitter just about you know the rotation minutes by game and if you look at Jaden hardy's minutes first two games of the season he's dnp then he gets double digit minutes for the next seven then he plays double digit minutes once in the next eight Then he plays 21, then 15, then eight, then zero, then 34, then 19, then 13, then six, then 19, then 23, then 24. And last night he's playing, you know, then 22 and he's playing 13 last night. What in the hell are you going to do with a young dude who needs stability at that point? You know, there is no denying that and you're shaking your head. Here's my thing.
0: I think that's a pretty decent amount of minutes.
2: I don't think it's consistent. And I think for a guy who I, I would rather see him get 12 to 13 consistent minutes where he knows he's going to be on the floor and he knows he is going to have some rope to make mistakes and that, yeah, you have your role. You are going to play these minutes. You are not the star of the show, but you will have a role because we want you to develop consistently. I think that matters for a guy because- this is absolutely the sort of dude where if you don't know what his role is going to be, and he's 21 in his second NBA season, very easy with his skill set to press and think it's Jaden time. I'm going to make things happen. And the reason that this matters to develop him, I would argue, is threefold. One, this team is not actually winning this year. You need a young dude who, you know, you still need to develop your prospects either to flip him and keep his trade value high or to keep him part of this rotation. Two, if you do think that he has a future here, the path to that is as the third ball handler who can score and add some shooting, there isn't a package quite like that consistently from an offensive standpoint. Exum does more defensively. I would say there's a lot more reason to trust in Jaden Hardy's shot from distance than Dante Exum's. And three, the other pathway towards keeping him here long-term, guess what? Why do you have any reason to believe that Kyrie Irving is going to not miss 20 plus games per season with his history and what we are trending towards this year? Plus, inevitably, Luka's not going to play 82 games a year. You need a third guy who can go out there and handle the ball. He is raw. He is going to make mistakes. He is going to fuck up. He has fucked up. That Houston game was a disaster. But guess what? This team isn't going to really win. There is no reason why Seth Curry should play minutes over him. For a team that is in this arc, Seth Curry will never help them in the next really good Mavericks team. It's just not going to happen. I'm not saying he needs to play 20 minutes a night. God, no. I'm saying give him a consistent 13-ish and see what happens because either he can maybe grow into something here or he keeps his trade value high versus just this constant yo-yoing, which I really believe it's very easy for a 21-year-old kid in his second season to press and to try to make things happen to the detriment of him and everyone else versus this is your role. This is what you play. It's not about you, but you do matter here. So the idea that he is a finished product or that, he he ain't it, or that we know, in mid you know, December of his second season at age 21 is preposterous to me. And it is partly driven by the circumstances he's playing under.
0: I, I just, I don't disagree with most of that. I, I do think that there's a lot of value if, if he develops into a trade piece or, you know, a, a substitute score guard off the bench. I just, over the past few games, I think it would have been really easy to bench him. And, you know, there, there there are games where he came in in the first quarter, late in the first quarter, where I'm like, oh, Jason Kidd's sticking with him. You know, I, I do think that he's got semi-decent run. And my main thing with him is just, I've, you know, I've, I've been disappointed, you know, a lot of the reasons that, you know, in him as a player, you know, it, with him on the court, you know, he was someone who got to the rim and finished at a high rate and got a lot of free throws. And I don't think he's regressed I can't think that a 21 year old has regressed in that area. I think it's probably more that the league is catching up to him and I don't know where he goes from here. So that's, but that's, that's just my analysis. I I, I don't, I mean, are we doing a little bit of tilting at windmills of online people saying that they've given up on him? Because I, I don't think that's the prevailing narrative. It's just that a lot of people don't think that he's helping the team right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's probably fair. I, you know, the team, they're playing him. I guess just my thing is I think young players need consistency, especially with a guy like that, and he needs time to adjust. And giving him blocks of minutes where he plays a ton and then blocks where he's completely out of the plan, I just don't think is going to help anybody. If you're going to lose games because of 13 minutes of Jane Hardy a night, then you're really not that good. You could survive those minutes if you have Luca and Kyrie Irving. I really believe that. I, I
1: just think that, I you know, I've been a big Hardy supporter, but I, I think we might have to readjust what kind of player he is. I think initially people thought he's going to be a primary ball handler or someone who can really handle the ball consistently and create offense and be an advantage creator. I don't think he's someone who you want consistently creating offense for you. I think he's someone who needs to create when he has an advantage created for him. So he needs to just be an off ball player. I, what, what I think he needs to really just focus on being luxury Landry Shamit, just like a, a really, really nice version of Landersham where you can come on and say screens. Patty Mills. Yeah. I was gonna go with Patty Jordan Mills. Clarkson. That's that's Jordan. what I think. And I think like Jordan Clarkson is a much better creative than Jaden Hardy. I think he has a better handle and a better awareness of space. I think Hardy can do that. It's just he needs a lot of NBA reps that the Mavericks just can't afford him at this point. Once once Luca and Kyrie are playing and Kyrie's playing consistent minutes again, he comes back from the injury. Hardy's minutes are going to diminish because they don't need what he does quite as often as they did last season. I think last season they really needed him because they didn't have a lot of on-ball creation. And I think this year, between Exum and Kyrie and Luka, and then if you sprinkle in Seth Curry and then if you sprinkle in Josh Green... Um, they just have more on-ball creation and they don't need what Hardy does as desperately as they did last year. And honestly, the the best solution, and I've been saying this for like half the season now, is that like Hardy needs to go in European football. You can send a player on loan. You can just send someone <laughs> out to a different team so they can get experience and then get reps. He needs to go to a team where he can just go and like explore his game and like really just get a lot of reps and play 25 minutes a game no matter what and really learn what he can do at the NBA level, I think he went to the G League last year and he really lit it up. I don't think the G League reps would be quite as help for him at this point. No, he's done that. Yeah, and he needs NBA reps, but I just don't think the Mavs can afford to let him just like explore his game. And honestly, I has I, I kind of agree with him. I I've been surprised that kid has stuck with him as much as he has. I think they they have some belief in him, but like even if you go back to the to to summer league, his on ball creation in summer league was not very good, and he just kind of hasn't shown being a consistent on-ball creator, I think he kind of just needs to readjust his game, especially playing with Luke and Kyrie as just being a really, really great off-ball player who can create off-of-advantages.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's where I'm at with him, so I think I'll take some time. I Still like him. It's just like, he has a lot of talent. He it's there's a good player in there. I think he he just, he, he flashed he flashed some stuff very early on that that just haven't continued. And in, in readjusting our expectations, I think is right. Let's uh let's get to my trending up and down, and because uh, we have uh, gone long, which is fun because it's been a while since about a holiday. It's the holiday, holiday guys, but yeah, but I've got Josh Green trending down, and I'm I've also got AJ Lawson trending up. And yes, is an overreaction, and, and and no, there's not really a place in the rotation for AJ Lawson. I'm kind of starting to ask myself where the place for Josh Green is in the rotation. I, I you know, we Dante Exum and Derek Jones Jr. need some minutes shaved off of of what they're doing right now. All the focus has been on Luca and the minutes he's getting. Dante Exum and, and Derek Jones, like Exum especially with his with his injury past, both those guys need to be down in the 30 to the 36 range, but they're very clearly taking up, you know, bulk of this when Kyrie comes back, especially, you know, th- that there's another, you know, 30 ish minutes that's going to be taken up. And I've gone, I I've swung so many different directions in both, in both ways on Josh green and who he is as a player, but I watch AJ Lawson and we say Dante XM is, is who we wanted Josh green to be. Sometimes, for a second, A.J. Lawson is who I want Josh Green to be, where it's just like you're using your athleticism in hustle plays. Like A.J. Lawson over the past few weeks has looked like Josh Green did when I was highest on him. Whoa. Just a bouncy, impactful athlete who also gets to the rim, you know, and is willing to take the threes. And Josh Green's a better shooter right now. I'm, You know, but maybe A.J. can develop into that. Where, 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 do, you, where do you guys like see the role of... Of him going forward,
2: I mean, he has an elite NBA trait, which is that for a six six wing that dude can run. He is fast as hell. And if you are six six, which I'm one t- are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about AJ Lawson. <laughs> we're talking about AJ. Oh, Lawson. okay,
0: okay. We're just focusing an AJ Lawson because we are kind of grouping them together a little bit. You're kind of group them together. Yeah, I am. I am. I am.
2: Yeah, yeah. So sorry, AJ Lawson is six six and he can run fast as hell. And there is something that you could work with there. And I think. There is something you work with there. And, you know, Josh Green is getting paid now. There is going to be an expectation of Josh Green four minutes on both sides of the fence. That, as you said, it's getting crowded. At the very least, whatever my Jane Hardy agenda is, and God knows that Austin and I have been on the Josh Green bandwagon for a while, I cannot see a world in which both of them are here long term. Just can't see how both Jane Hardy and Josh Green, there's room to play both of them. One of those guys feels, if not both, but at least one feels like the logical, you know, when. When uh, our pal James Edwards was reporting the Isaiah Stewart to Dallas rumor the other week, and I don't think that's happening at all before the offseason because of the whole contract extension and the the base year compensation thing and all that, but when you're sitting there and you're toying with it, you're like, well, one of those dudes would make a lot of sense going the other way, right? AJ Lawson, if he is just a developmental project who you can bring off the bench and just let him run down the floor and progress at a slower rate who doesn't need minutes, that probably fits this team's timeline well, and you can dream upon him because – this team needs wings and a wing who is that fast, who at least seems to know what he is doing. There's a lot of raw skills, but there aren't many times where I feel like he looks lost on the floor versus just he can't shoot yet. Uh, it's intriguing. There is something there. It's not like there have been too many times the last two or three years when they bring up some guy on the two-way deal or some guy at the end of the bench, you're like, this is not going to be a thing. There's no way this is going to be a thing. And maybe it's he's a microcosm of Dallas's summer overhaul at large where they have a lot more guys now where you can look and be like, "Oh, this could be something." And he's the epitome of that. He's the last guy on the roster, but you're looking, you're like, you know what? See a world in which AJ Lawson maybe becomes something somewhere, and that's fun. That's fun after some of the stuff that they were just running out as the eleventh and twelfth guys the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, I think- well, and Lawson is Lawson is a hundred days older than Josh Green, which you could you could look at it both ways. Both yeah. like, don't forget, Josh Green is young and is still getting there, but. Josh Green is the one who's paid. And if they're both at the same place and you see development, I mean, Josh Green like has
2: more skills, right? Is more skilled player right. right now. I think we could say that that's a pretty easy one, but Josh uh, Austin, B, be a, Austin, lot what, a lot more skill for a lot. What money. do you got
1: on this? Uh, I would say in regards to AJ Lawson, he has he has two things that are very attractive. One, he's a he's a self-starter. He's just going to go create havoc on his own. He, do, he doesn't really need a lot to just go and create a play. And then also he's also a contextless player. Like he doesn't need context for him to be good. Like you just throw him out there in almost any sort of lineup and he's gonna make an impact if with his shooting or his speed or his kind of his athleticism. He's obviously not he doesn't have the talent or the upset that Josh Green does, but I think what makes AJ Lawson attractive is that when he's on the game. Like you notice what he's doing. He's he's playing fast. He's playing hard. He is doing something, even if it's a negative play, like he is, he's not out there just getting cardio. And so I think he's a good player to have good to bring along. I think if next year he's on a, on a minimum deal, I think that's a really good, they haven't had any two way guys that they've converted into an actual NBA player. And I think he's a guy who can convert into an NBA player, but when it comes to Josh green, I think he, I think he's, he's losing his way in the rotation because he thinks too much when he's playing. And I think having more skill around him is making him lesser. I think, I think he's just, he really wants to do the right thing. I think Josh green really wants to make the right play all the time. And when he knows that there are other guys on the floor that are more skilled than he is, he wants to defer. And I think he just, (laughs) it's really simple. I think he's kind
0: of got to think less, just got to kind of like, Kind of just AJ, AJ Lawson's mindset in Josh Green's body. Yeah. Like he
1: just got to just, just go attack, go play hard. If Josh Green just goes out there and plays 25 minutes a game, plays hard, play, just attacks when he gets the basketball, he's a good player. He's a good player. He's strong. He's athletic. He has a great passing. knack. Like he has great vision. He can make, he can make honestly like top five percentile passes in the NBA every once in a while. Like he'll make a cross court pass. You'd be like, not many guys in the NBA can make that pass. Um, and I think he's just kind of losing his way in this rotation because he doesn't know where he fits in. There's not a logical place for him in the rotation. Like, is he a two? Is he a three? You know, where does he play? Is he going to have the ball in his hands, to run, pick, and roll, or is he just going to kind of be a guy in in the corner? So I think he's still trying to find his role, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he responds to everything that's happened in the rotation since he's been out. One thing I do really like about Josh Green is that He's very, very competitive. He took getting benched in that Utah series very seriously and came back a very a much better player. And I think he's a guy who's going to respond to competition at his position. And I'm very interested to see how he responds to it. because right now it's just he he's gotta he's gotta go earn his spot. And I think I think that's a good place for him to be. in. I think him being in a place where he needs to be competitive is gonna bring out the best in him.
2: I yeah. think the thing with and Lawson, just one he's, more he's note getting, on Lawson is just the fact that we talked you know, earlier in the show about Derek Jones and how if you're a veteran wing with some athleticism, send it to Dallas, see what happens. Obviously, Derek Jones here had way more skins the ball than AJ Dawson does at age 24, but 6'6 wing who could run, who puts the pedal to the metal all the time, you could see a world in which as he grows and hopefully develops more skill that he could progress faster than we think if he plays more minutes next to Luka Doncic because athleticism plus length plus motor... We have a test case higher up on the roster of what that can look like and how that could be unlocked from a dude who nobody thought would be this good.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. You know, it. You know, he's at a point where yeah, maybe there's some more skill development, but when you're a player just breaking into the into the NBA, into a rotation, into on into actual NBA games, it's about okay, you know, you have skills, find the ways to translate them, and you know, get comfortable using them, and so how skilled AJ Lawson is is something we're going to find out if he, if he keeps playing minutes that said, when Josh green comes back, he should play. He is, he is yeah. for all these reasons, yeah. talented. And, and, you know, he absolutely has things that, you know, these type of wings, you know, he has ceilings. He has a ceiling on, on some of his skills that these type of wings rarely have, but yeah, I, I want, I want to, you know, I want him to go earn it back. And if not, there are definitely teams interested in him, you know, no matter how he's playing. I, I, I promise you that there, you know, I, I can tell you that, you know, there, there, there has been interest in the past that I've reported on. You know, I remember saying, you know, I remember Brooklyn being interested. There's still teams interest. There's still teams that that would definitely like to see what Josh Green looks like on their team. So if it comes to that, it comes to that, but I don't think that's how Dallas is thinking. And, and right now, the fact that AJ Lawson can be successful, you know, as a two-way guy, just by, you know, being the guy who makes stuff happen and, you know, with his athleticism and hits enough shots, that's, that was, that has been the best Josh version of Josh Green we've ever seen. And and if you can get back to that, you know, this team clearly could use it and, and it fits well with everything that, you know, Luca does and everything that works within a Luka offense. So that's all I got. That is uh more minutes than probably needed to be spent on AJ Lawson. But what are we, if not willing to dive into the weeds, into the minutiae of the depths of the Mavericks roster. You know, it's it, it's the nice thing about having a deeper roster than than past seasons. There's a lot there's, more to talk
2: about. Yeah, there's
0: more dif- more fun to dive into. So yeah. that's going to be it for us. Uh, we'll be back next week. I, I think we're recording. I'd have to check the schedule, but uh, probably Monday. Oh, is is next week
1: the, the Dexter Dennis episode? I think that's what, what we have up on deck.
0: Uh, we're going to do a deep dive into the, the, the entire Texas legends roster.
1: Oh ah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But maybe if, if we're bringing B- people like, on the pod
2: Yeah. and if you want yeah. all of that content, please subscribe, please like, please review this stuff helps, especially for a little baby show like us, where we're just getting our little wings underneath us. Like AJ Lawson, do all those things. And uh, Dexter
0: Dennis asked me where I went to school, pre uh, pregame locker room recently. And I said, UNT, and he's an A&M guy. And, uh, and, uh, Dexter Dennis was like, ah, I hate them. And then, uh, Greg Brown, who's also in there, he's like, wait, what, what are you really trying to say about UNT? And I'm like, you know, like, like, like say it, spit it out. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it sucks that you had to live in college station, Dexter. And, uh, (laughs) Greg Brown runs over and daps me up. So I guess it was the right answer. (laughs) So anyway, that's my little story. Yeah. Yeah. I like all the two-way, all three of the two-way guys are like high-key They're very funny guys. They're, They're so funny. hype. Have you seen? Like, that there's a moment that him and that they, them and Luca had. Yes,
1: one of the funniest things. I I actually don't even want to know what they were talking about because I I feel old just looking at them explaining to Luca because Luca made me feel old because Luca didn't understand what was going
0: on. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's like they're they're explaining like the, the the new tiktok dance god that that is the oldest thing i could have said that my version <laughs> probably, I, time, I, to go. It's probably time to i fully admit it i know it's even deeper than that like the, the fact that i think oh young tiktok oh my god i, um, hate, um, I, I we're, can't we're, stand that i stop it up
2: get it off I'm before gone. it gets worse i'm gone damage control listeners
0: thank you for listening uh it's what you do best uh mike austin thanks for popping on it was fun it's good to have you both back in town and around and able To uh, be on the show, and we'll do it again next week. See ya. Hey, how's it going? What? What do you mean, dozens? You sound insane. No, you're confused. Have you heard the song? Yeah, this is the only Mavericks podcast to exist
2: ever. This is the.